welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, we are certainly blessed at New Life with uh, with competent musicians. You know, we, we just have so many uh, of us uh, in the group. and But not only that, but just uh, people by which, you know, Christ indwells them, the Spirit indwells them, and, uh, and the Spirit encourages us to, to draw into authentic worship. And so um, every time we get to watch those videos or rewatch those videos, we just step into a special space where uh, we can, no matter where we are, we can worship too. And so just so thankful for, uh, for what we just watched and, and heard together. Um, you know, uh, myself personally, like I, I get overwhelmed more often than not uh, when I have a lot of to-dos, I have a lot of tasks. Uh, I would I would like to say it it doesn't take me too much to get overwhelmed, but I'm not too sure. I don't know how I compare with everybody else. Maybe it's not a healthy thing to compare with other people. Uh, but maybe you're like uh, myself, and and you're finding yourself, you know, more often than not, overwhelmed with a lot of things to do. And what that does is it can make you anxious, it can give you performance anxiety. You become anxious about you know, how, how am I going to get through this? Uh, what are the results going to be? How will the results fare in my favor or, or, or my family's favor or people I care about's favor? And so a lot of us struggle with that, you know, day in and, and day out. And it could be work that's doing it. It could be family stresses. It could be ministry. Um, it, it, it could be all kinds of responsibilities that are put on our plate that can make us feel that way. Uh, I, I remember feeling this way a lot uh, through school. And kind of struggled a little bit through school with that because uh, I, I wasn't always great with details, uh, if you know me very well. Uh, and and so sometimes I would kind of struggle to focus on details. And so that that was something that uh, I had to learn and grow in. And so if you're a student right now, you, you you might be in that spot too where you're just overwhelmed, right, with all the things that are set up for you to do. And maybe you're not in classes as much. And, you know, for our students even right now, I'm reminded of you guys and just letting you know that we're praying for you. This, this is not a an easy time. And same thing for our teachers as well. Um, but I'll give you an example of, of kind of me in school and working through that. And so I had to learn and grow and develop the habits to kind of deal, you know, with, uh, with dealing with a lot of tasks at, at once. And I felt like I was getting pretty good at it until I went uh, to seminary. And I realized that I had to go on another step up. And so I was doing my master's, uh, master's of divinity, and in my courses, I had a full course load, but one of the courses I had to, to go through, um, and it was about three courses in, in general, uh, to com- complete this part of the, of the degree, was Hebrew. I was learning the ancient language of Hebrew. In Hebrew, you read from right to left. In Hebrew, uh, the characters that you use are nothing like the characters that are in English. There's fewer letters. Uh, than there are in the English alphabet, and uh, and pronouncing them is even twice as hard. And so I, you know, I thought I had it under control. You know, I I, I prided myself. I was very proud in, in being able to say, okay, well, I have all these courses and this Hebrew course. I have it all under control. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't too long ago that I was working away at it, going into 
you know, studying for quizzes and going into a quiz and studying for a test and going in for a test and realizing that it wasn't enough. Like what I was putting in just wasn't kind of, wasn't cutting it. I still wasn't performing as well as I wanted to, wasn't getting the marks I wanted to. Uh, it was, I even went to the, into the midterm, uh, midterm and realized, man, I still wasn't performing really well. And my marks out of the midterm were not great. And so I was really kind of overwhelmed by this. But at the same time, even with the pressure of dealing with all these things, I was t kept saying to myself, okay, I got to do this. I got to do it by myself. I have to be autonomous. But I was so stressed out that I started to say, okay, maybe I should pray about this. So I started to talk to Jesus about it. And Jesus said, tell your wife. And I said, no, I'm not telling my wife that I'm having trouble with this. Why? Because I am so competent. I can do this on my own ability. My wife did her master's when we were first married, and she never asked me for her help. <laughs> so, man, I got to go on this. I got to perform. I got to do this. And so I, I, kept, I kept working away at stuff and then did another quiz, and, and then again, it didn't go well. It was really challenging. And, Jesus, and I talked to Jesus about it, and Jesus said, tell Deanne, tell your wife. I was like, Jesus, this is not you. <laughs> it's not you, Jesus. I'm choosing to believe it's not you. But I had so much peace about it. Even though I knew it wasn't what I really wanted to do, I had so much peace about it that I did. And uh, it was a really hard conversation for me to say, hey, honey, I'm having trouble. I'm struggling with my courses. And you would think, okay, well, this is something that should be really easy. So, like, anyone should just be able to ask their, their wife for, you know, for help you know, when, they're, when they're in a situation. But for me, I was so worked up about doing this on my own ability that it took so much courage to be brave enough to say, I'm stuck. Well, we looked at my courses. We looked at our, our schedule as a family. And Deanne says, look, son, you need more time. So let me give you more time. So for the rest of that semester, uh, we had two young kids at home, two girls under three. And, and uh, I mean, at this stage, they were a little more dependent than, um, or at least Mahalia was a little more dependent than she is now. And so, so Deanne said, okay, I'm just going to take it on. I'm going to take on helping get the girls you know, ready and taking care of every day. And you're just going to focus on your school, your schoolwork. And so I put in two months where I was almost invisible to my family. Just trying to stay on top of this Hebrew stuff. It was so hard. It costed us. You know, it was a, it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of work on, on Deanne. Um, and it was a lot of work for me. But the end result was, hey, I got a good mark. Isn't that great? You want to know what mark I got, don't you? Don't you? Okay, you just, just message me afterwards. I'll, I'll tell you what I got, okay? Um, it was really good. But either way, yeah, like I, I pushed through it. I did it. I got on the other side and there was a bit of success. And what happened, even though it was stressful, even though it was hard, I learned a lesson. What was the lesson that I learned? I learned that when I go to Jesus, when I ask him for help, I can trust what he says. I can listen to him and trust it. And sometimes when I go to Jesus, it's not necessarily the next steps to success. Maybe it's not the next steps in making everything easy. However, when I take the time to listen to him, what that does is that it reveals lies. And that was the main thing that came out of that whole experience. I re it revealed lies that I believed about myself, that my, 
my issues with details and focusing and, and trying to handle all that stuff on my own, that, that was a lie. That wasn't something I was supposed to embrace. I was supposed to embrace the fact that, you know, my wife is more than willing to help. And so when I was able to take that step to ask for help, then I was able to, to have that. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't easy, but in the end, it gave us the freedom. It gave us the freedom for me to be able to get down and get that work done and get a good mark, which was great. But really, it deepened the trust that we had uh, together as a couple as well. And it helped me to, to see you know, uh, Deanne in a new light and see her giftings in a new light as well. You know, we often look at everything we have set before us. We have a lot of tasks, a lot of things that we're nervous about, we want to perform well with. It could be a struggle. But Jesus says that there's really one task. He says there's only really one task. And you might be like me, where you have a lot on your plate, so you bottle up your anxiety. You keep it all to yourself, and you try to deal with it on your own. Or you cannot be like me, and you're somebody who likes to share all of your anxieties. Uh, you, you, you put it out there. You let make sure everybody knows, and you're doing your best to process them with people. But then you realize that you're leaning so much on others that it's, it's kind of harming them too. And so where do we find the help? Jesus says there's really only one thing that is necessary for us. And he says that one task is to be a good listener. Is to be able to listen to him. That's the one task. You know, we always talk about in our community about like, okay, how, we always talk about letting Jesus do something through us rather than us doing it or accomplishing it in our own ability. Right? But then how, what does that look like? How does that happen? How do we cross the bridge from, you know, just asking Jesus for help or just doing something on our own ability or actually just letting him do it through us. How do I practically let Jesus manage through me everything that I have on my plate? And again, it's this one task. Jesus says, be a good listener. But I hear you saying, though, Jesus said there was another one task. And, you know, the other one task was, um, you know, just to believe in him who he sent. Right? He said that was the one task. That was the one work. You know, we talk about that a lot in our exchange life communities. You know, there was only one work of God and it was to believe. But then how do you believe? Well, Romans, 10, chap uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this one task of being able to listen and to hear from Jesus is that first and most important step. And hearing through the word of Christ, you see, the, you see the word of Christ, you're like, okay, well, it's the Bible. Well, Jesus himself is the word incarnate. He is the Bible incarnate. And where does he reside? Well, he resides in you. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says that we have the mind of Christ. Obviously, I'm not dismissing the Bible because it's the Holy Spirit will reference the Bible or highlight things out of the Bible to confirm what is true to us. However, that first step, that most important task for us is to be listeners of Jesus. But how many of us say that this is an active thing that we are partaking in in our lives? And what does it look like for us to be listening to Jesus? Everybody has subjective views about this. Everybody has different ways that they go about it. What, what does it look like for me? Um, if it's so important, how do we do this? 
Well, first and foremost, we're going to look at it in our passage today. And our passage today is Luke chapter 10, of verses 38 to 42. And in this chapter, in this narrative, we get a picture of, of Jesus mentioning, first and foremost, that this most important task, being able to listen to him, is what, is what he expects and what he desires of us. And what we're going to learn from this passage is that acknowledging our union with Jesus, paying attention to distractions that deny your union with Jesus or go against it, and then also cherishing the gift of our union with Jesus is really that starting point, is that place where we can learn how to listen to him. And, and what we're going to be looking at is just sort of an over, overview, just a, sort of a theory about what it is to, you know, uh, to, to listen to Jesus. Because there's so many books about this, or so many kind of courses and stuff about like how to hear from God. But really, this morning, we're going to be looking at just an overview of how listening to Jesus is not just a discipline, but it's actually something that we've been born into as children of God. We've inherited a culture, a family trait of being good listeners. And the end result of that is that when we are listeners of Jesus, when we're overwhelmed with tasks, overwhelmed with things that are ahead of us, when we are listening to him, what happens? We are able to face life through his strength. When we're listeners to Jesus, we're able to face life with his mind. We're able to think the thoughts of Christ towards what we're facing. And when we actively listen to Jesus, what happens is we will become fruitful, truly fruitful, in the things that we're working on and the way that we perform. So without further ado, let me pray quickly. and We're going to jump into this passage together. So, so Jesus, I, I'm just so thankful this morning that this is not necessarily a discipline that I have to sweat at. It, it, it's just, it's just something that you've, you've said that it, it's natural to us. You said that your sheep hear your voice. So even now, I don't have to be persuasive. I don't have to sell this to us as a community. Your sheep hear your voice. So I just release this message, uh, release the contents of it, what you want to say, and I pray that you would just open our hearts, uh, open our eyes to maybe things that we believe that are incorrect about you and how you speak to us. Uh, but not only that, replace those lies with your truth. And Jesus' authority. Amen. All right, let's read this passage together. So it's Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, and we're reading from the English Standard Version. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion 
which will not be taken away from her. Uh, this is a really interesting uh, narrative in, in this passage because it's, everything kind of pauses. There's a lot of action up until this point, like Jesus is uh, calling together the 72 uh, disciples, right? So you've heard about that, you've read about that, and he's, and he's telling them, okay, you're going to go out now and you're going to cast out demons, you're going to heal people, you're going to declare that the kingdom of God is near. So repent. And wherever towns you go into, if someone welcomes you into their house and they give you a meal, sit down, eat that meal. But if someone doesn't welcome you and they don't accept you and they reject you, then just shake off the dust of your sandals and move on. And so Jesus is, is, is praying for them. He's releasing them. People are coming back and saying, oh my goodness, Jesus, we're praying for people and the demons are fleeing. And, and, and Jesus is delighted by this because he's so happy. He says, so happy that, you know, that God is doing this. He's revealing this truth to, as he says, little children. He's so delighted with, this, with all of these events. And then we see Jesus exemplify what it is after what he told his disciples we see jesus exemplify it by now going to a village named bethany and in this village someone welcomes him into their house and so they welcome him into their house and jesus has what we would assume we don't doesn't say he has a meal but we'd assume he has a meal with them um because that would probably be the only reason why he would have stopped he would have stopped for respite and time to refresh and get some get a meal and then probably move on. And so here we're introduced to the, the people who have welcomed Jesus in. We're, we're introduced to Martha and we're introduced to Mary. Now, uh, in verses uh, 38 and 39, we see that first Martha is, is the one who's done the welcoming and she has invited Jesus into the house and she's doing the responsible thing. She's, she's inviting Jesus in, she's preparing a meal. We're assuming she's preparing a meal. She's, she's, she's basically said, come on in and, and, and get some rest here. And then we see, however, that her sister, and it's so interesting that Luke does that. He, contra he contrasts the two of them right away. But, but her sister Mary doesn't do that. Jesus comes in, he sits down to talk, and we get this picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet while Jesus is teaching. And so, you know, usually in, in, in church conversations, right, like we, we, we love to say, okay, well, do whatever you can, or at least we paint this picture, do whatever you can to not be a Martha. Don't be a Martha, be a Mary. Whatever Mary does, that's what you should do. But I think that's generally an incorrect way of kind of looking at these stories or looking at the Gospels in general, because really what the Gospels are, that they are a revelation of how the Father interacts with his children. It's a way of us seeing how God, you know, incarnate, interacts with human beings. And so the main focus is still Jesus, no matter what. And so it's important for us to focus on how Jesus responds to how people react to him. You know, instead of maybe pointing fingers. But we can also, again, obviously, we can see ourselves in both Mary and Martha. We can see ourselves at, at work in, in how Jesus interacts with them and how they interact to Jesus. So let's just keep that in mind as we go. You know, and Martha, you know, reminds me of, you know, a lot of people who I've met in my journey, and myself included, who came to Jesus because it was the responsible thing to do. You know what I'm talking about. You might have chosen to follow Jesus because your parents said, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. You need to choose the right thing. So, Choose the right thing. 
do the right thing. And so we heard that and we're like, okay, we will make the responsible choice. And it was easy in some senses, right? Because our families were Christians, maybe our schools were Christian schools, maybe we always went to church, so we were always around church people. You know, we, we generally didn't hang around with people who weren't Christians. And so we just made the responsible choice. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if you stay there, if you just remain responsible to the person of Jesus Christ but not responsive, there's an issue. Right? You, you might be the person who said, who said, okay, well, I'll come to Jesus because someone made an apologetic argument that Jesus Christ, you know, you know, Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. And so that's a reason to choose in Jesus, uh, to believe in Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. You might have made the responsible choice to follow Jesus because someone said a seven-day creation is real. And this is why it's real. And it's scientifically proven in such such ways. And you're like, okay, I will make that choice. Nothing wrong with starting there. Nothing wrong with starting there. But the issue is, is that if we just are with following Jesus because, or choosing to invite Jesus in because it's just the right thing to do, it's, it's not the fullness of what we have purchased. That's the fullness of what Jesus actually has purchased for us, rather. And so here we see Mary being very responsible at first, and maybe initially being responsive by, you know, you know, listening to Jesus. But Mary instead, rather than Martha, is responsive. She's hearing Jesus talk, so she's responding by yielding herself to his teaching, which is a very, very important picture here for us to understand. So if you don't mind me explaining this a little bit more, you know, um, in the... In, in Jewish writings, in a kind of colloquial language, when you wanted to demonstrate that you were surrendering yourself to the teaching and the leading of somebody, you would say, well, you are sitting at the feet of, right? Even Paul uses this description. I believe it's in, in Acts 22, verse 3. He's, he's, he's defending himself to the Jews who are accusing him. And he says, listen, I sat at the feet of um, Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was like a really high-toted like, like priest. He was like, the, he was like the guy to, to learn the law from. And so Paul is saying, listen, I learned from this guy. I sat at his feet. I yielded myself to his teaching. I think, I think also uh, in 2 Kings, it talks about how the prophets, you know, there were prophets who followed Elijah around. I said they sat at the feet. Sorry, it was either Elijah or Elisha. But they sat at the feet of the prophet. It, it's, like a, it's like a demonstration of submission. It's a demonstration of, I am, I am here to receive whatever you have to give. Because whatever you have is the word of life for me. Maybe, maybe you're that, in that stage where or you've been in that place where you've just been responsible when it comes to following Jesus. And maybe following Jesus is just it. That's just what you've done. But Jesus wants to invite us to more than that. He doesn't want us just to follow. He wants us to come into intimate relationship where we are open to receive what he has to give. I have an excellent quote just to kind of describe the sitting at the feet of. Um, and it's from Harry Nowen. Harry Nowen's read, uh, written some really excellent books. And one of my favorites from him is The Return of the Prodigal Son. But this story is just excellent. Um, sorry, this quote is excellent. Listen to this. To listen is very hard 
because it asks of us so much. Sorry, it asks of us so much interior stability that we no longer need to prove ourselves by speeches, arguments, and statements. True listeners no longer have an inner need to make their presence known. They are free to receive, to welcome, to accept. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the picture of what you would want for anybody who's, who's close to you, who you're, you're, in, you're in relationship with? You'd want them to lay down their arguments, to, to not be thinking about their, their response to you while you're talking to them so that they could just spout out their response when you're finished and, and demonstrate that they didn't listen to you at all, right? His description is perfect. This is what a listener is, somebody who's willing to receive, somebody who's willing to welcome and to accept whatever you have to present. This is what Mary is demonstrating. She's demonstrating this character of, maybe even not just character. She's just responsive to the fact that the one who is life is in the house. And Martha, just at this moment, just didn't get it fully. And I, I want to share so much more about, about just how listening is such a characteristic of who we are as, as believers. And, and even in that book of even in the book of Luke, it's over and over again. Jesus is demonstrating what it is to live in communion with the Father, right? And he's always listening. I think it's I think it's the book of Luke that there's, there's the most um, indications that Jesus is going away. He's going away in the early morning to pray. He's leaving to go and talk to the Father. The prayer is prayer and intimacy in prayer is probably one of the major themes of the book of Luke. And we see here that it's also a major theme of the Trinity. First uh, Corinthians chapter two verse eleven says this: that the Spirit of God searches God's thoughts. Right? The Spirit of God is listening to God's thoughts. We also find out in John 8, 28, that Jesus listened to the Father. He didn't do anything unless his Father, he saw what his Father was doing or he did, he did only what his Father said. And then also on top of that, in John chapter 9, verse 31, it says that God listens to us. Let's just receive that for a second. John chapter 9, verse 31, it says that, that God listens to those who worship him. He listens to you. He knows the, the thoughts that are going on in your head. He knows the multitude of thoughts. He knows the things that you're carrying this week. He knows how many tasks that you're overwhelmed with and how much you want to allow Jesus to work through you and accomplishing them. But there's a, there's a, there's a break, there's a disconnect. God listens to you. On top of that, John chapter 10, verse 27 says this, and we already talked about it a little bit, but my sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus talking about those who follow him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. You see, it's part of your identity to listen. Not only that, it's, it's, a, it's a trait that you've inherited by being born a child of God. To be a listener and a good listener. To, um, to, to, to Jesus, to the Spirit of God living inside of you, to, the, to your spirit crying out, Abba, Father. Um, the Spirit of God through you crying out, Abba, Father. Right? 
This is who we are. It's part of what we've inherited. My, my poor little girl, Naomi. Naomi has daddy's flat feet. There's nothing she can do about it. She has daddy's flat feet and she has grandpa's flat feet. And, um, and we, we, we all could probably ski without skis because our feet are so flat. It, it is unbelievable. Sometimes I see your flat feet, I'm like, oh, you poor girl. I'm so sorry that you got the flat feet. Um, but there's nothing that she could do about it. Oh, she's darn cute. It's so kind. She's fine. But, you know, there's nothing she can do about it. That's what she inherited. It's part of, of her identity. It's part of her makeup. And so it's the same thing with us. We have an ear to the Father, and the Father has an ear to us. Why is that? Because we have been joined together. We've been made in union with the Spirit of God, um, the essence of our being that was rebellious against God, that couldn't listen to God. That one was crucified and died 2,000 years ago on the cross when we came to believe. And now the essence of our being, our spirit, is a new one that was resurrected with Jesus. It's united with him, connected to him. And so we hear from God. We can hear and we can discern his voice. And if we don't have an understanding of our union with him, and we don't have an understanding of our righteousness either, that he wants to communicate with us, that he wants to share with us, that he listens to us. If we believe that we are dirty and shameful and not worthy of love, listen, that's going to be a major, major issue in you being able to hear from God. Because that is not what God sounds like. I went back, you know, I went back to preparing for the sermon. I went back and looked at some journals from when I was a teen. That's one of the ways I choose to to take time to subjectively, like, you know, for myself personally, hear from God. It's how I focus and be able to hear from him. So I journal, you know, what I feel he's saying towards me, and I journal what my feelings are, and then I, and I, and I discern um, from, from journaling, you know, you know, how God is speaking to me. And I went back and looked at some of mine, you know, from when I was a teen, and I was just kind of learning this, or people were teaching me about that, and there was a lot of to-dos. There's a lot of, okay, God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. God wants me to do this. And if I don't do this, or if I don't do that, this bad thing will happen to me. Or if I do this and I do that, then good things will happen to me. And it was interesting when I looked at those journals and I went back through the years um, of the ones that I've written up until this point, I realized that there was a change. I, I started to become, you know, cynical about my own performance. I've started to become cynical about all the promises that I made to God. You know what I'm talking about. I started to realize that this, this goal to, to, to please God on my own ability just wasn't going to happen, and that I had to be pleased not, I had to be pleasing to God not on my own ability, but by the love of God, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when I came into a knowledge, a full knowledge, and I grew into understanding the exchanged life, I, 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 I'll tell you very honestly, I hear from God a lot better. I listen a lot better. I'm a little more in touch with that. Even, even if it's something I don't want to do, like telling my wife I'm having a hard time with my studies, even if it's something like that, it's like, no, I, I trust that. That's, that voice is familiar to me. It, it, it gives me peace. Um, it's, it's, it's affirming. It's not condemning. It's, it gives me great counsel. It counsels my soul. It comforts my soul. Even if it's something I don't want to do, 
it gives me great um, rest when I think about it. So it's like, it's something that I learned to do over time. And I was able to accept and affirm that it was God's voice as I, um, as I continue to learn in that way. And so when we choose and we acknowledge our, first and foremost, we acknowledge our unity and our union with Christ. The next thing that happens is that we become uh, more open to hearing from him because we do hear from him, but we become more open not only to hearing, but to listening and then following along uh, with what he's um, instructing us. But then also what happens is, is that our minds become set on the things of the Spirit, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And so when we set our minds, we actually stop and we actively listen to God. Maybe you're just on the go. You're just you're driving in the car. You're stressed out about something. And you actually just stop and choose in the moment to say, you know, Jesus, I, I'm stressed out about this. I, I'm, I'm working on this. And sometimes the things we're stressed out are about or things we're serving or we're doing are actually good things, right? Things that are making us busy are things that we probably should be doing and be very responsible at. But they're giving us great anxiety because we we know that we're coming to the end of ourselves and being able to perform well. And maybe in those moments, we just lift up that concern or lift up that, that word to Jesus. We can pause and reflect on what he is saying to us, what he could possibly be saying to us in that moment. And we're setting our minds on the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can affirm to us that we're okay, that we're beloved children of God. You know, more often than not, it's identity statements than, than instructions. And then in that moment, when we're reflecting on those things, then we can begin to release those to-dos and maybe even start to take steps towards the things that are most necessary, the things that he wants us to do. And we can become more fruitful that way in the things that he's called us to do. Right? Because just like Mary, we all want to, you know, sit at Jesus' feet. We do. We want, we want to. We want to be yielded to him we want to hear from him. We don't want to be distracted with everything that's going on in this world around us. And the fact is that it's not even about a want. You know, you, you, you are, you have, you're, you're, you're so connected to him that this distance, this chasm that you feel that you might have to cross has been removed because it's your identity to hear from him. And for us to embrace that is a wonderful first step. Um, let's keep reading on. Let's go to uh, chapter... Uh, 10 verse 40. Let's read. Um, but Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving and went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things. I mean, hold on here. Let's stay with that verse there for a second because insert your own name. I'll just insert my own. Robin, Robin, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You hear the Lord saying that to us sometimes, or to yourself personally at times. We, 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 we struggle with, we, we have lots of things in our heads that we're trying to work out. Sometimes we're processing 
processing so many things at once. And, and there's so many things that we haven't stopped to release to him or present to him that he might be able to care for us. You know, sometimes we want to point a negative figure at, at Martha, but, you know, Martha does a very good thing here. She's just honest. You know, well, yeah, she scolded Jesus. I understand that. She did scold Jesus. But what she was able to do was, when she did that is that she was able to reveal a lie. She was able in that moment to reveal a lie of something that she was believing, and it was a moment for Jesus to correct it and replace it with something that's true. But I love here it says, um, Martha was distracted. She was distracted, and that word distracted is very, very important. It's that Greek word, peries pato. Peries pato, which means to be dragged away, <laughs> to be pulled away, or, 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 or in, or in uh, total, uh, worried, right? She's being pulled away and dragged away by worries. What is she getting pulled away and dragged away from? She's being pulled away and dragged away from being in intimate relationship with Jesus. She's sitting down and hearing from him that the one who is life is sitting right there in the house with her. And that he fully loves her and that she's completely approved um, in this moment. And yet here she is serving, running around. It's, I love how it says much serving, right? Because we're not saying serving is a bad thing. She was distracted with much serving. She became so um, obsessed with her performance in the moment that she was going above and beyond possibly what was actually required. And it was frustrating her that her sister wasn't partaking. Isn't that some of us sometimes? We get so distracted with, with much serving, with actually doing good things. I mean, it's Jesus she's serving. I mean, she's doing a good thing. I mean, how many of us get caught up in that sometimes? And we're actually stopping, we're actually missing out on the, on the fullness of the experience that we've, that's been purchased for us, which is that we can have intimate relationship, we can hear from God. So, so it's very important in saying this, that we pay attention to things that might distract us, we, that, that might distract us from the union that we have with Jesus. And what are those things? I mean, in Martha's case, it was, it was much serving. You know, she went above and beyond. You might even say that she was yielding. She was sitting at the feet of somebody else. I mean, Jesus was in the room, but, but she wasn't yielding to Jesus. She wasn't sitting at his feet listening to him. Who was she yielding to? Who was she, what voice in her head was she obeying that she had to go and do much serving? Was she trying to do better than, than Mary? Was she trying to outperform Mary so that she looked better than, than Mary in, in front of Jesus and his fellow uh, travelers? Was she trying to, um, to outperform, you know, the voice of shame in her mind that, that's telling her, you know what, I'm not good enough to have Jesus in my house, so I have to outperform the voice of shame that's saying I'm not good enough to do this, so I have to go above and beyond? Is she sitting at the feet of, you know, uh, a family member? Maybe, maybe it was her mom who told her, you know what, you have to be a good host and you have to go above and beyond to be a good host. And no matter what, whoever is in the house, you got to do above and beyond and blah, 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 blah. blah. Maybe, she's, maybe that's something that she was always told. And so she's, she's sitting at the feet of somebody else rather than taking the time to receive eternal life from Jesus. She's looking to receive something temporal, maybe approval from others in that moment. 
And how many of us have I described in that moment? How many of us have are still listening to our parents? We're still sitting at the feet of our parents, things that they've said to us, things that, the, that we receive from them about who we are, whether it's true or untrue. And, in, and then we're hunting for that approval from others in a similar way because we were taught that this is the way we have to perform. And maybe those things might have been good, some of those things could have been bad as well, but those things can distract us from being an earshot of what Jesus wants us to do. Because we have to understand that whatever we try to do in our own ability, you know, Romans 8 talks about this. Romans 8 verse 8 says, whatever we do in the flesh, it can't please God. Whatever we do in our ability can't please God. John chapter 15 verse 5 says that we can do nothing apart from him. It's great that our parents gave us instructions. It's great that we, re we received lesson and teaching about how to do this right and do that right. But Jesus says one thing, one thing is necessary. No matter what it is, whatever task you're doing, it's listening to me. That comes first. And fret not, because you've been made in union with him. He loves you. He listens to you. He speaks to you. And it's taking the time to maybe push away the distractions. Maybe discern the things that we're listening to that aren't Jesus in the moment and discern, okay, what is Jesus actually saying to me? And if he was talking to me, knowing him, knowing his character, knowing what he's revealed to me about himself, knowing what he's revealed to me in his word, what, what is he actually saying to me? You know, it just gets back to what I was saying before. You know, if you don't have an understanding of your righteousness, of your, of your, of your, of your, your new identity as an adopted child of God where you have been made righteous, you are the righteousness of God. It is very difficult to discern the voice of God because it'll, it'll just sound like all the shame voices, all the instruction voices you were given throughout your life by other people. You know, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll just be like, you know, Samuel and Eli. You know, Samuel heard God speaking but he got up and he thought it was Eli because Eli was a voice he, was, he regularly listened to. Sometimes we can get, you know, we get those two confused, but when we come into an understanding of who he is and who we are in Christ, then our listening gets a little bit better. We understand that he's, he's not out to slap our wrists when we don't do everything right, and when we don't serve and go above and beyond and do much more serving. He's not interested necessarily in that first. He wants us to first be listeners to him. And that being the first step can lead us into the next step of what he's calling us to do so that he can empower through us to handle whatever tasks are ahead of us. Uh, I said a lot there. Um, but one thing I want to say before we move on from this part is this. And I just want to just kind of um, camp down on, on verse 41 where it's saying, Martha, Martha. And you know, sometimes we always kind of pass over these things. But one thing I studied that I thought was so precious about this is that when you ever see something repeated, like verily, verily, right? You know that's an important thing to pay attention to. But in this case, since it's repeating a name, it actually denotes emotion. It denotes uh, compassion. It denotes he, he, Jesus is saying this with emphasis, with emotional emphasis. Is he angry? 
Well, no, he's not angry. I mean, you've seen in other parts of scripture and in, in the gospels when Jesus is angry and, and it describes it um, accurately. He's not angry with Martha, even though she just scolded him. She's reach, he's reaching out. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. But we're going to go on to that next verse, what he says next. And he says this next. In verse 42, he says, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, I read this and I was like, is Jesus a bad parent? You never compare kids. You don't compare your kids. That's not, that's not fair. Why did he compare? Well, you know, and even reading it over, you know, I thought to myself, um, well, that's actually not necessarily what's happening. I mean, Martha brought Mary into the conversation anyway. Well, look, my sister's not helping. So Jesus responds to her accordingly. And he says, well, look, Mary's actually chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, there's something very interesting that's happening in the Greek here right now, if you don't mind me saying. Something really interesting that's happening because um, that word necessary is the word um, sharia, which actually means uh, uh, one duty, use, or need. So that one thing is actually um, one duty, one, one form of service, one, one action. That's basically what it's saying. One, one thing that needs to be done. Jesus saying there's only one thing that needs to be done. And Mary has actually chosen that good portion. Now that word portion again is a very interesting word um, because it talks about region. She's, he's basically saying she's chosen the good part of the house. Do you have a good part of your house? Like a, a spot in your house where you're like, hey, the sun's going to come in here in the morning and it's going to be really warm. Or the sun's not going to come in here in the afternoon and it's going to be too hot. You, know, you just have a good spot in your house, plus a part of your house that you just like to be in. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm in the house with you, Martha. I'm here with you, but you are away from me. I'm here with you, but you are away from me. It even says that she had to go up to Jesus, that she went up to Jesus. It means that she was a distance away. She wasn't in the same spot with him. And Jesus is saying, listen, Mary has chosen the good portion, the good region, the good location. She's chosen the right part of the house. I'm here with you, but you're choosing not to be here with me. It's such a picture of, you know, our union with Christ. You know, he is here with us. He is with us. He's dwelling inside of us. And we can become distracted by things. We can become distracted by what people are saying and what's, what's happening on social media and this notification and that notification and what this task is and that task is and pleasing this person, pleasing that person. We can become so distracted and become anxious about all the things, all the needs, other people's needs and your own needs. So I'm so distracted with that that we forget that he is in the house. He's here with you externally, but he's also abiding within you. Uh, the Prince of Peace, his name, abides within you. The fruits of his spirit, love and joy and peace, 
actions. You know the rest. He is abiding with you. He's in the house. Sometimes we get anxious and troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary, he says, listening to me. Right? We need to be acknowledging our union with Jesus. We need to be paying attention to distractions that deny our union with Jesus. And just like Mary in this moment, we need to take opportunities to cherish the fact that we are in union with God. This, this is what sets you apart from your classmates at school, students. This is what sets you apart from people who do not know Jesus, who are not in union with him. This is the part of you that is supernatural, that the creator of the universe abides within you and you have his mind and he speaks to you. And when you are at a loss and you are in need of wisdom, you have supernatural wisdom from the creation, from before the creation of the entire earth to instruct you about what needs to happen next or what might be a lie and what is truth or what is true about you and what's true about him. This is what sets us apart. This is, this is, this is the, the supernatural thing that, that breaks down barriers, that, that pushes us to go the distance, to maybe love somebody that is unlovable. This is what, this is what uh, pushes the distance for us to serve in a way that it doesn't seem possible for us to serve. We might be going through something so challenging. You might be going through something that is weighing you down and weighing your family down, and yet you speak to the Lord and you say, Jesus, what do I do with this? And he speaks to your heart. And he says, my son or my daughter, I love you. And, and whatever is set before you, I've purposed it um, in advance. I purpose a good work in advance. Um, be bold. Be strong now. You hear this word from the Lord. And you set your mind to the things of the Spirit. And you step out boldly and maybe serve in a way that you weren't able to because Jesus spoke to your heart. This is a supernatural at work within each and every one of us. It's, a, it, it's, it's the difference between um, what is going on aside um, between, between an unbeliever and a believer. Obviously, there's many differences, but this is a really unique and powerful difference that we hear from the creator of the universe that he speaks to us. We can become acquainted with his voice. Um, and, and I love what it says that uh, it says that Jesus says, like, what she has done, what Mary has done, this will not be taken away from her. This will not be removed. I mean, is this, this is a comparison to, this, this is referring back to the fact that whatever Martha is spending herself doing, this will be taken away. The serving will be removed. You know? Uh, uh, all, all of the good ministry stuff I could ever do or you could ever do or even, even what things you're doing with work, you know, and things that you pat yourself on the back for, um, even for getting a good mark on a, on, a, on a course or not, those things you pat on your back for, these things will be taken away. But the word of Christ, Jesus himself, that will not be taken away. It's eternal life. I mean, you can say, yes, okay. Well, Jesus it does eventually get taken away from her. <laughs> but then Jesus says, he says this, you know, um, when he comes back after the resurrection, he says, well, you know, sorry, he says before he leaves, he says, well, it's a good thing that I leave, a good thing, because I'm going to send the advocate, I'm going to send my spirit, and my spirit will instruct you. 
My spirit will comfort you. My spirit will counsel you. This will never be taken away. But the things that we can pride ourselves with in serving and doing, whether even if they're good things, those things will be taken away. Let's focus on what's eternal. Let's focus on what is never going to pass, what has life-changing quality to it, and is being able to pause, and even if not pause, actively maybe present your concerns to the Lord and discern what, what He is saying to you in the moment. Um, and, and, and listen, and, and be attentive to what he's saying. So a lot of things said here. I think this would be a great time for me to give you 10 uh, applications of how you can now listen to Jesus really well. And maybe, and maybe you're, you know, maybe you're part of our community and you're like, you know what, I, I would really love to, you know, to even talk about more about this practically. And, 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 and maybe if that's you and you, you maybe you want to, you know, you know, say something on Facebook or, or maybe you want to message one of us or one of the elders or something like that. And maybe that's something you want to pursue. You want to learn more about, you know, taking time to hear from God. How, what does that practically look like for you? And everybody has their different ways. You know, some people are, are nature-based, you know, like they're just, you know, they go out into nature and, they, and they're in nature and God speaks to them through what they see and what they breathe in and what they feel and what they experience. He, he, he communicates to their souls you know, through their five senses in nature. Uh, for myself personally, I'm, a, I'm obviously I'm, I'm really into music. I mean, music engages with my heart emotionally, but I mean, even the words to music, even if it's a secular song, sometimes there's things that are said that I'm like, oh my goodness, that affirms so much true, that, that affirms what is true about me and my relationship with Jesus. And then I realize, oh wow, okay, Jesus, you actually set that aside for me to experience right now. And I can listen to you in this moment. There's all kinds of ways, you know, for me, one of the things, again, like I mentioned before, is journaling. I, I like to do that. It's one way that helps me to focus and, you know, so I'm discerning and being able to hear from God. But again, overall, when we're acknowledging our union with Christ, uh, when we're avoiding the distractions that deny our union with Christ, you know, voices in our head that, that there are should voices, you know, you should do this, you should do that. You know, voices that, are, that, that um, trigger shame and condemnation in you, we, when we get led away by those voices and we sit at the feet of someone or something else to receive life rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus, that, that's a huge, that, that's not what we've been called to. We need to pay attention to those distractions or be aware of them but then turn our focus again to the fact that we've been made in union with the lover of our souls. And then the last thing is just to cherish that. It's just to take opportunity to think and ponder on that and, and dwell on that and, 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 um, and, and whatever you're doing, whatever your task is, to just be reminded that today you are a beloved child of God and you are in complete union with him. And, and to think on that and in, in those moments, we're able to discern the truth. God will speak to us and he will remind us and affirm to us who we are in him, who he is, and what's a truth and, and what's a lie and, and maybe what a next step is. Maybe just that one step. You know, maybe not the whole picture, but maybe just that next step. And we can just trust the peace that we discern from what we've heard. We can trust the peace that we feel in our hearts that can govern us um, into walking 
in the spirit rather than walking after the flesh. Well, a lot of things to say again, but um, just thank you so much again uh, for, uh, for for being who you are. And and a, and a lot of us were, were you know, we're, we're unaware that we're actively doing this. We're, we're listening to God when we affirm each other, when we encourage each other, when we step out of our boundaries, maybe into our, our uncomfortable zones, to, to reach out and encourage one another. I've been blessed by others who've been listening to Jesus to, um, in, in affirming me or affirming others, and, and you have been blessed by those who've listened to Jesus. So let's not abandon this, um, this most holy, I want to say a practice, but this is the most holy benefit, this joy that we have to hear from God and to hear from Jesus and to, and to follow in what he's uh, laid in our hearts. Thank you so much for this time, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in person soon. Take care. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.